Well, welcome everybody to PWH Podcast. Once again, just reminding you every Friday, a new podcast is dropping. I'm Pastor Kyle Bauer, and this is your church, and I want to be your pastor. I want you to join our community. Actually, right now, there should be a, a phone number appearing right now. Just text FAMILY to that number, and you can join our community. It's awesome. And today, we have a special guest in studio with us. This is Andy Barrera. If you are part of the PWH community and you see our stuff on YouTube and uh, Instagram, he is uh, the mastermind behind all of this. And he lives in Texas, but he's out here yeah. for the week. And I said, we got to get you in the studio so they can see your pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Kyle. And Andy has quite a, a testimony and a ministry that he's involved in besides PWH. And so I'm super pumped to have him in studio today. And I know there's some things on his heart that he yeah. wants to talk about that we're going to dialogue about. So yeah. Andy, tell us, let's start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for, for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here. Um, I mean, I'm in Texas now, but I, I, I love, uh, I love Pathway and it's home. So thank you for having me. Um, and yeah, I, I am, uh, I'm 27 years old. Um, I have been married for over a year now. Uh, my wife and I got married um, a day before COVID. Uh, so that's, yeah, it was, I mean. It like was literally the day before. Literally the day before. Yeah. So what was your anniversary again? March 12th. March 12th. So yeah. March 13th is March when thir yeah. everything, everything that's, came down. That's when the world that's when the world went uh went crazy so <laughs> yeah so we we uh so we, what did that do to your honeymoon plans uh they were ruined but <laughs> but but thankfully we were quarantined and we were together and that's what that's what mattered listen I'm telling you, we, my wife and I went to Hawaii for our honeymoon yeah. and people, when we came back, people said, Oh, how was the honeymoon? How was Hawaii? I said, it was great from what I could see from the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're quarantined yeah. with your wife on your honeymoon. That's all you need. It's, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. So I, I, I know for a lot of people it was hard and I know that it was hard for, for many, but for us, it was, it was good. Thank God. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. What's, uh, what's, what's your story? How how are you here at Pathway? What has God done in your life? Tell us about. Yeah. I know um, church and things about church is a mm. big a big subject for you. So yeah, take us in there. Yeah, yeah. I, so I uh, I I grew up in church. I uh, uh, was was born and raised in church. Uh, my parents were were already saved when I was born. Um, so I grew up in a Christian home, and it was. Uh, I mean, it was. It was a blessing. I mean, it it, it had its, cha it, its its challenges, but it was it was a blessing. And I remember uh, just falling in love with with church. I mean, God and and just just everything about it. I remember I was so in love with it. Um, I was so I I just wanted to know more about it. So yeah, I grew up in church. My parents were were the elders of, of the church, and I mean, you, you know, growing up in a Hispanic church, it. It it uh it requires a lot of time. It requires a lot. So I, I remember being in church for about uh, seven days a week, uh, ten hour services, five hour services. Uh, plus the vigilias. Plus the vigilias and <laughs> <laughs> and everything. I mean, I I grew I, I grew up in all of that. So right. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, uh, uh, the Lord called us to to pastor. And I mean, I I wasn't married yet. Um, but the Lord was really inviting me to pastor just youth. Uh, I, I grew a passion and a love for for young people, and and man, it was it was an amazing experience. We saw growth, we saw people get saved, and it was it was incredible. Uh, but about three years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, there was another invitation where the Lord uh, was inviting my wife and I at the time. She was my my girlfriend, then my fiance, but where the Lord was inviting us to give everything up. Uh, to to leave our jobs, to leave, uh, uh, to 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 step out of our comfort zone and to go into full time ministry, which was actually uh, uh, missionaries. Uh, so the Lord uh, connected us with this ministry that was reaching high schools and preaching in high schools and evangelizing and 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 it was it was it was a process, but um, it was just so beautiful to know that you were walking in, in God's will. So mm. for the past three years, my wife and I have been, have been missionaries 
so we were here in Pasadena. We were serving, going to high schools, preaching. And last year, obviously, COVID hit. Uh, but it was sometime in August where the Lord said, hey, I'm calling you to Texas. And, uh, I mean, it, it was it was challenging. You know, we had to pray and really, really make sure it was the Lord. And, and I mean, we, we heard him well. So now we're in Texas. Have you become a Cowboys fan yet? Never. <laughs> I was going to say not yet, but no, no, I don't want to be a Cowboys fan. Yeah. Well, you know, there's lots of things that we've talked about over the yeah. over the past year and several months that we've known each other about your experiences in church. You just talked about you grew up in church, yeah. which is probably, well, it may be the experience for many people that are listening to this right now. Yeah. Um, and then you ran into a little bit of a little bit of trouble yeah. in your own personal life. And and then a little bit of disappointment mm. with uh, with the church itself. And yeah. talk to us a little bit about what happened because I know that's an issue for a lot of people. Yeah. And so you know, uh, I know God's done a big redemption in your life. Totally. And so tell us that story. And and my guess is that's going to help somebody who's listening mm. right now who's gone through something similar. Yeah, I, I think um um. Growing up in church, I mean, like I said, it's it's a blessing, but it does have its challenges, and and I would say that this starts from uh from the moment you get there. Does that make sense? I mean, I got there when I was I was born. Um, I was born on <laughs> born on Saturday in church on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it just there's there's expectations, um, that that we we have sometimes in in church and. Uh, you know, there's, you know, we want people to talk to us a certain way. We want people to welcome us a certain way. We want, we want certain things to, to go uh, just a certain way. But um, I, I would say for me, it, it was, uh, again, it was amazing. I, I remember being a child, Pastor Kyle, and I, I loved, like, feeling the presence of God. Like, I, I was about six years old when, when, when I, got, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and I, I like I, I I was just so in love with God, but then at the same time, I, I mean, you get older, and then you have the world that's tempting. You have the world you've never met the world. Right. You grew up in a safe environment, and then the world becomes tempting. Uh, and then at the same time, you go to church, and it's it's almost as if you try. It's like you're trying to 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 find a community. You 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 want this community. You want people to love you. And to be there for you, but then at the same time, it, it almost seems like uh, those expectations are not met. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and so so you have the world that's tempting you, but then you have the church that necessarily isn't there for you all the time. Um, and that's that's what that's what I that's what I felt. That's what I was encountering. That's what that was the battle in in my life. And obviously, there's this term called church hurt where. You know, many people have been hurt by the church and stuff like that. So I um, I would say I had my challenges with with people and leaders and even even pastors. Um, and, and it really it really affected me. It, it really, really. What did. were some of those challenges? What what did those look like? Yeah, I, I would say just just moments where it was uh, it seemed like it was it was religion or, or it was. Hey, you, you, you have to be here, or, yeah. or if not, very heavy-handed, very heavy. Just these different things, like hey, like if, if if you don't do this, like like you won't get to do this, and and it was just very, very heavy. And at the same time, there's, I mean, and, and I I don't say this to to put a blemish on the church whatsoever. Right, my heart has been healed from the things that I've been through, but you know there was gossip and there was like uh, just just people just saying stuff and I remember there was this moment where I was struggling in my my teenage years and my dad had actually preached that day mm. and I remember I walked out and um I I forgot what what was going in my mind but I remember I walked out the service not during my my, my dad's preaching it was after I walked out and then this the the usher uh lady she was like hey you can't leave and I was like I'm not leaving I'm just going to the to the bathroom to the restroom and she said, "You can't lie to me. Your dad just preached, so mm-hmm. you can't lie to me." So, so, so there was this expectation of how I needed to be now, right? Of of who I needed to and be, and the assumption that you were lying, exactly. And 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 it was just because my dad was 
was somewhat of a pastor. He was right. preaching and he was leading, leading, you know, as well. And and um, many people, it's almost as if like, hey, you are his son, so you need you need to cooperate. Like if right. you're his son, you need to behave like you're you're his son. So then that brought a lot of pressure, right. a lot of pressure, just like, hey, you have to live this way. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. You know, something, uh, you know, my wife and I have been pastors for all of our children's life. Yeah. We've been pastors for over 17 years. And this year, my oldest is going to be 17. So well, like literally all my kids life. And so I've been I've been the pastor. I've been the preacher. And uh, there's a very dear lady in our, our congregation who I, I I truly love dearly. And she was doing something uh, for the church, and my oldest son was involved. Mm. And my son, he's never been a, a bad kid or a loose cannon. He's 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 a pretty chill kid. Uh, but he was doing something, and he's doing what ten year olds do. Yeah, they just they just do what they do. They're they're kind of dorky, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and she said, "Hey, you need to you need to shape up because you're the son of the pastor." Mm. And my son told that to my wife and she went back to this, to this sister and said, listen, he doesn't need to do that because he's the pastor's son. He needs to do that because he loves Jesus. Right. And that he makes a decision for himself that, that we don't do this because I'm the pastor's kid. We so do that because I'm a child of yeah. God. And it's that not like, you know, you can't lie or you know, go into the bathroom or something like that. Yeah. But it's, it's no, no, no. There's, there's the, the right kind of thinking. Yeah behind why we do what we do right. that yes yeah we do need to live according to god's word yeah. yeah we do need to tell the truth yeah we do live that way but at the end of the day we don't do it because i'm 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 that guy's kid yeah do that because i'm god's kid it's amazing and that i love jesus therefore mm. i want a relationship with him mm. and that's my motive behind what i do yeah. not because i'm trying to keep up with appearances yeah that's that's incredible yeah i feel like um I, I, I won't say I was the best uh, kid. Does that make sense? Like, I, I'm not going to say I was the well-behaved kid. Oh, I can't believe I mean, that, Andy. I, <laughs> I don't believe it for a second. I mean, I, I, made, I made several hey, mistakes. You work in the ministry. You can't lie. Yeah. All right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, made, I made several mistakes. I mean, I was, I was a tough kid. I mean, I was 10, 11 years old. I, I mean, I was misbehaving. Right. But then at the same time, uh, just even with, with what you're sharing about your son, um, we need to change the way we think and really see people for who they are. And, I mean, your son was 10 years old. He was a child. And my encouragement to people is, hey, like, just love them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, don't force change. Just love them. And I think for me... That's something that I really longed for for a long time. Mm. I really longed for someone to simply love me. And, I mean, my parents, to be quite honest, I, I love them. They're incredible. I, I love them dearly. Uh, but my parents were also very strict growing yeah. up. So it, it was almost, I'll go home. And, and I remember there were moments where people even lied to, to my parents about the way I behaved. Go home and get, and get whooped. So, 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 so just imagine like how hard it was when I was a child, didn't really know what I was doing. Right. There was, there was, there was hard moments at home, which I, I love my parents. They, they were amazing, but they were, they were strict. So I, I felt like maybe, man, like I can't, I can't do nothing. I'll go to church. There's this expectation and I'm a child and I, and I, I go to school and then there's the world. Right. And then there's like, wait, wait a minute. You don't go to parties. Wait a minute, how come you're not like us? Wait, you don't hang out with your friends? So there was this pressure. Uh, everywhere I went, there was this pressure. Church, school, home. Yeah. Church, school, and, home. But none of those things were, were truly integrated. Exactly. It's like you, you could be a different person at school than you were at church right. and a different person at home than you were at church or school. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that pastors' kids kind of have – gained a bad rap for themselves yeah. by being the most wild and, yeah. and wayward ones in, yeah. in the church. But I've come to know that oftentimes that happens yeah. because there is that disconnect yeah. that, that, you know, mom and dad are this holy, holy, holy at church. Yeah. And then at home they're, you know, right. 
You yeah. know, they live with a with a la santa chancla in, the, in their hand, right? You don't know what that means. That means their sandal, their thick sandal yeah. that they use to punish. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, <laughs> that I'm no, against yeah. punishing, but, but there's a disconnect yeah. that, that, that oftentimes we don't see lived out at home, yeah. what we say at church. Yeah. And then kids are smart. Totally. They see they see the 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 dichotomy of the two and they say yeah. if that's what it means to be Christian, I don't want it. Mm. It's not genuine, it's not authentic. Yeah. I don't see a life change at home, but I see this this uh facade yeah. at church and they say, Forget that, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. Th- thankfully for me, I think something that has has been able to help me even now is knowing that my parents always wanted the best for me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I, even now, he, when I got married, my dad, when he said some words, he said, Andy, I'm not going to say too much. All I'm going to say is, you know me and you know, the example that I have, that I have, I have placed before you. Yeah. You know, you know, my testimony. And, and, and that was very, um, that was very comforting for me because I know my parents, since I was a child, they've always wanted the best for me and they always loved me. Yeah. It, but 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 it was hard when it was when it was church it was hard when like that's that's the place you go to get healed that's the place to go you go to go, to meet jesus yeah that's the place you go it, it's a place for the broken yet when you don't find you don't you don't find that love you don't find that comfort it becomes it becomes challenging really challenging yeah yeah and so for a while, did you walk away? I did. I what? did. So I remember I was, um, so I, I grew up, I feel like I grew up way too fast. I was about 12 years old. And I remember I got to a point, I was young, but my mind, I think it was because my dad really um, guided me through, 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 through my childhood. Mm-hmm. I was preaching when I was like six, seven years old. And again, I, like I said, I, I, I loved the church. I loved God and I remember I was preaching in kids ministry when I was six, seven. My dad really just taught me so much. Mm. So it kind of it kind of really opened my mind to a lot of things. Right. But I remember I was about twelve years old, and I was like, you know what? I'm done. Twelve. I was like, I'm 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 done. I I I I, I don't know if I could do this. This is challenging for me. This is really hard. The pressure, the expectation is really, really, really hard. And I remember I was 12 years old and I made this decision. Like, I'm just going to like, because, because, I mean, I was 12 years old. I was in, in middle school, sixth grade. And that's when, like, you start knowing different things. And I started, I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Like, girls like me. Like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I'm actually cool. People actually like me. Okay. And it's like your your mind, you go into a place you've never been in before. And it feels good. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm loved here. Like people so, actually. So you started feeling something right outside right. Of, of the church family that you right yeah expected to find there. Yeah, yeah. So so I and you ended up feeling more of the condemnation. Put a put a pretty facade on. Definitely. Don't let anybody see the real you. Definitely. And shape up or ship out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you then you found something that was authentically embracing yeah. of who right. you who you were and it, who, who I it, really was. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, I was twelve years old. I was in sixth grade, and I would say that's when everything started for me. I remember I was thirteen, and and I was just making dumb decisions. Started trying different stuff. Started smoking and just doing crazy stuff, ditching and just. Just stuff I never thought mm. I would do. And then by the time, and then, I mean, obviously, I had, like, little girlfriends and stuff like that. But by the time I'm in high school, I'm already, I'm already a wreck. Mm. I'm already a mess. And I'm, and I'm, I'm just, it, it, it gets worse. And it gets worse, and it gets worse. And, I mean, I, I wish I could go into detail, but it was just, it was just bad, right? I started making decisions. I started getting in trouble with the law. I started doing different stuff to the point where I ended up in boot camp. Mm. Like, like. Like, 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 like juvenile real, hall, like, 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 like real stuff. And, yeah. and, and, and I had to go to boot camp because if I didn't go to boot camp, I'll end up in juvenile hall. Mm. Yeah. So, so it was, it was that bad. Like my, I, I walked away completely, but I remember every time I would make 
a crazy a crazy decision every time I would do something wrong or I would just do stuff out of out of malice the Lord would always remind me he would always remind me who I was he would always remind me who he created me to be what would he say to you I would I would see myself preaching mm. and I remember I was like that's not me that's not me and I would see myself just in moments uh I would I would see myself I was saying the future like saved and like loving God and mm. and I was like that's not me. And there like you'd see a vision of it or a, a, yeah a vision of it every time I was going to do something bad boom, and it's almost as if the Lord was telling me that's not you. I wonder how many people watching yeah. right now or listening right now have had the exact same experience. You yeah. have been running yeah for a long time and you know God's been after you. Yeah. What and, would you say to those people? I would say stop, stop <laughs> running. But 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 I think it's beautiful when you meet him and you realize he's been running after you. Mm. Like like when you stop and you turn around and and you see that he's been running after you, like that's what changed me. Mm. Like I, I I was I was at a dark place. Again, I can't go into detail, it's too much just of different things that I lived. But I remember I, I got arrested. I remember going to court, and by this time I was already 15 years old. A couple of years had passed, mm. and I was just deep inside. Like I said, I felt like I grew up way too fast. And I was 15, 16, about that age, and I remember I was in court, and the judge looks at me, and then she she reads my record, and she, she, she reads the, the report, whatever she had in her hand, and she laughs. And she said, do you know how to fight? And I said, a little bit. She said, really? She said, because you look like a, to me. Mm. When she said those words, I knew it was real. Like I knew there was no going back. Mm. And I remember I, 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 I turned and I, I looked at my parents and they just had their head down. And I had an opportunity to talk to my parents after that. Mm. They were holding me in a cell backstage, not backstage, in, in the back, like in, on, on, under the court, whatever. And I remember I had an opportunity to talk to my parents after that. And my dad's response was, there's nothing I can do anymore. There is nothing I can do anymore. And I've never felt that fear. Hmm. Like, you know your dad was there. He's always been there. But there's this moment that comes where you're, you're not in his hands anymore. You're in the government's hands. Yeah. Like, it, 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 like it was real. And thankfully, I was given the opportunity to do different stuff within a year. So I wouldn't go to, to juvie, and one of them was boot camp. And that's where I, for the first time in my life, I mean, my parents were strict. I got whooped, but my parents were loving. They cared for me. First time in my life, I go to boot camp, and I was, be I was beaten for nothing. Mm. I mean, I made mistakes, but I, it's the first time I actually experienced phys physical abuse where it was, it wasn't sexual abuse, it was physical abuse, where you were just getting rocked, you were just getting beat for no reason. Mm. And it was so hard. It was so hard. I remember being so weak, they hardly fed us. It was just really, really hard four or five days. But I remember every night, every second, just crying out to God. And I was like, I need you. Would you give me strength? And I remember I told him, if you get me out of here, if you give me strength, I'll serve you mm. for the rest of my life. And that was at 15? 15, 16. And I remember, I uh, i mean, I was a little thug. I was like, I thought I, thought I was ru ruling the world and found myself hopeless. And every time they gave us an, an instruction, every time there was, I mean, we were working out from like 5 a.m. to like 1 a.m., working out nonstop. But every time they had us do something, like, I don't know how I made it, but I made it. There are people who were passing out, people who were almost dying, people who were throwing up, and the Lord sustained me, and he gave me the strength mm. while I was there. And I remember I got out, and it, it was a process. It was hard for me to even communicate what I was feeling. I had to ask for permission for about a week in my house. Can I go to the bathroom? Can I grab some water? It's just, it, it messes you up. 
And I remember there was this moment where I was in my room and I was like super depressed, battling anxiety, just suicide thoughts. And I was in my room and uh, someone had given me a book and it said Crazy Love on the cover. Mm. And there was this cra- this book written by Francis, Francis Chan. And this person gave me this book and I just left it in my room and one night I couldn't sleep. And I was struggling with like depression, anxiety, suicide. And I start reading this book. And I'm reading this book and I'm reading this book. And that night I felt this love that came over me and embraced me. Like this love that I had never felt in my life just came and embraced me. And I remember the father telling me, I love you. Mm. I've always been here. And that's why, I, that's why I, 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 I told you, I, there's so much beauty when you stop. And it's unexpected. Like he met me and it was unexpected. And it was his love that changed me. Mm. It was his love. What I, what I was longing for my whole childhood, what I was longing for my whole life, like it came one night and it broke everything. And he, 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 he was telling me over and over again that he loved me, that he loved me, that he loved me. And I remember I was like, I was just so undone by, by his love. Like it gripped my heart and I was so undone. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to love everyone. And, 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 <laughs> and, and, and at the time, I mean, just being honest with you, I, there was a point where I thought I was going crazy because there was just so much anger within my heart. Yeah. Like I was struggling with like anger management and I, I, I broke, wa- I was making holes in the walls that, where I was living and I broke, I almost broke a door like, like diff- in my house. Like I, I, I was, I thought I was going crazy. And the moment I had this encounter with the Lord, it changed me completely. Like it changed my character. This encounter changed my life. It broke depression. It broke suicide. It broke anxiety. And my first response was, I want to love mm. the way you have loved me. Wow. I want to love the way you have loved me. And I remember I was, I was still a teenager. I didn't have a job, but I was like rocking Jays, Jordan, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I started gathering my shoes, and I was like, I'm going to give my shoes away because I just want to love. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to give my shoes to the homeless. I'm going to give the shoes, my shoes to people because I just want to love. And then I was like, oh, no, I don't have a job. I'm just going to sell them first, and then I'll just give the money, and I'll keep some money. But I was just so, like, I was just so gripped by, by, by the love of God, and, and, and it changed me. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I can't help but think that there's people listening right now yeah. who— who desperately need that encounter with the mm. real God who yeah. genuinely, authentically loves them for who they are. Yeah. No facade, no lies. Yeah. Nobody cares about your past. Nobody cares about what you've done or said or thought, yeah. what you saw or what trouble you've gotten into. God just loves you. Yeah. And um, there's people who have been running, who running from God, yeah. and they're looking for that kind of love in all types of different situations, yeah. different people and different, uh, I don't know, different groups, different uh, people run from person to person to person to person. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a book I read once that said um, that everybody looks for uh, significance and security and that mm. governs every type of behavior. The significance well, that my life means something yeah. and the security that I am loved. Yeah. And and everything that people do is in pursuit of one or both of those things. Mm. I need my life to mean something and I need people to love me. Yeah. And so what, whatever decisions that people made, whether, whether they're good or bad decisions, they're always trying to fill that void. Yeah. And I would argue that God made your heart to be a huge cavernous void. Yeah. That so it, it he made your heart to be a bottomless pit. Yeah, it might sound cruel. Mm-hmm. It might sound uh, insatiable. Yeah. 
Well, I think God made us that way yeah. so that he would be the only thing that could possibly fill it. Yeah. You can throw as much money at it as you can. You can throw as much sex at it as you can. You can throw as much whatever, yeah. drugs or alcohol or vice or whatever you want. You can throw it at it. You can have as many possessions and and you're still empty. Yeah. God made us to be this big cavernous black hole yeah. and he is the only one big enough to fill it. Yeah. The only the only person who can truly satisfy the human heart is 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 the one who created it. Yeah, there's an there's an old song that says there's a god-shaped hole in all of our heart. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't <laughs> that's that that implies that God is just the that, last yeah. missing piece and everything else is perfectly in place. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. It's the cavernous wasteland mm -hmm. of our heart and God is the only thing, the only thing. that could build it up. Yeah. You know, it was actually this last Sunday on uh, uh, May 30th, May 30th, 2020, just last Sunday, I preached. I just came, I just turned 40 years old. Less than a week ago, I turned mm -hmm. 40. And the Lord took me on a 10 year journey from 30 to 40. And I shared 10 stories from the last 10 years of my life and all, and here's the crux of the whole issue over the last 10 years, the Lord has been bringing me to this final conclusion. Am I enough for you? Wow. And that, and that's it. I didn't know it at the time, but at the end of the 10 years, as I was analyzing and sifting through all of the things that the Lord has shown me and spoken to me and brought me through, there's been many times where he's asked me the question, am I enough for you? He asked me that question for the first time, maybe wow. eight or nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Am I enough for you? And I was like, yeah, of course you are, God. I didn't know that at that moment in my life, he wasn't. Wow. He wasn't. I needed the accolades. Yeah. I needed the praise and the recognition. Mm -hmm. I needed uh, to brag and to lift my own self up, to yeah. validate my own self. I needed this. And over the 10 years, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? Yeah. And finally, after 10 years, it's like, okay, God, I get it. Yeah. And and one of the very last things I put, because I had a journal. I have a journal that, that, that I wrote in for 10 years, from 30 to 40. One of the very last things I wrote into it, as I was analyzing all of these last 10 years, I wrote... What I really want for my birthday, what I really want for my 40th is just more of Jesus because he's enough for me. Yeah. And it's not that there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts as if he's just the last missing piece of the puzzle. No, no, no. He is everything. Yeah. And you can, you don't need the other pieces of the puzzle. You can lack everything. Yeah. And if you have him, you still have everything. Yeah, it's interesting because even, I mean, you you uh, grow, growing up in church. I mean, you, for me, it was very, uh, like I said, challenging. But it also puts you in a place where you feel like you have to perform, where you feel like you have to perform for people. You have to perform yeah. for others, and and like you said, you 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 want to in a way glorify yourself so that you may feel satisfied and, and and feel okay and i think what's interesting is when the lord actually called me out of church not 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 like to to the point where i'm like i don't like church but where he called us into the mission field where he called us to the mission uh, missions work where he you know the moment where he called us to actually leave our our comfort behind and to actually just go out and preach the gospel stuff like that i hadn't realized how much performance there was yeah. within me I, I hadn't realized how many times I, I i i simply just wanted to be seen yeah and it wasn't in those it, it wasn't until i was in a moment of no one knowing me but me i was put in a place where no one knew me but i was simply serving mm -hmm. where i was like god this is humbling i went from being a pastor leading youth to being no one and just simply serving. But but that's that's the beauty. Because it's not about the things that we do. It's simply about knowing Him. And it's about knowing Him in those areas. 
like, hey, and then the, the Lord asked me, he said, are you okay with no one knowing you? Are you okay with being hidden? In other words, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? Are, are you okay with being hidden? And I had to go through that process. And I, I've, I've been in a place where I'm like, man, I, I, I love the story of uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before they were, they were thrown into the furnace, they said they, they were not going to bow because God was going to save them. But then they say this, even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. And I feel like that's the type of, 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 of relationship we need to have with, with the Lord. God, even if you don't, I still love you. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't give me what I want, I'll still love you. Like Even if you don't answer my prayers, I'll still love you. Even if it doesn't look like I wanted it to look, I still love you. I want you. And that's been the journey where the Lord has actually taken me. Like, am I enough for you? And I think that's that's so beautiful, man. I wonder how many, you know, we, we live in a, uh, a society where, you know, so many young people live in suicidal thoughts and anxiety and depression yeah. and worry. And they, I wonder how much of that is the pressure to perform. Yeah. And it's it's kind of human tendency yeah. that I need to earn somebody's love. Mm. I need to work hard so God will accept me. Mm-hmm. And that is the most anti-biblical thing you can ever, yeah. <laughs> ever do. Yeah. Because one the point of the Bible is while we were still enemies— Jesus demonstrated his love by dying for us while we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we hated him, he still gave it all for us. There is no more pressure to perform. It it blows my mind to hear kids that are 13, 14, 15. Oh, I'm just so, I have have so much anxiety attacks. I'm suicidal. Stop performing. You are loved. And everything that you've tried to fill that anxiety with, it's not working. So why don't you give Jesus a try? And why don't you, as the Bible says, taste and see that he is good and that he really is enough for you. Listen, I'm not above having uh, having to go through depression or anxiety. Never had suicidal thoughts, but, but depression and anxiety, there's... Everybody goes through those. And I have found that Jesus can meet you there and unravel the big ball of emotions that you are and really deliver you when you find that he is enough and that you don't have to perform, that you are loved, you are accepted. You don't have to find it in things or people or anything else. You find it in Jesus, you'll find that it's enough. Yeah, and and I think, um, I don't know, I, I mean, we work with youth and I've seen it over and over again, like you said, it's this pressure. It's this pressure of having to be someone that, in fact, you're not. Yeah. You're, you're trying to be someone you're not. You're trying to be someone that society t- is telling you to be. Be yourself. He loves you, but he wants to change you too. And I think for me, like, I, from what I've seen, different, different people say, man, like, my, my anxiety, my depression— my suicide. My first response is, it ain't yours. Yeah. That's not yours. And and, and and it's like we're put in a place where we become to idol we, we, we get to a place where we idolize these things. Where, where it's my anxiety, it's my depression, it's my suicide. It was never yours. That died on the cross. Like it, it was never yours. But 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 sometimes we, we we embrace these lies. We embrace these things where Jesus had he he died for this. He died for our sins. He died for he he like like he 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 made us whole. And and it's not until we know him where we we know everything. We have everything. And it just breaks my heart to see people just simply embracing these lies. This idea of self-care, th- th- like Man, or or even I, I've even heard, I've even heard people would just be a better you. Hmm. God, God is calling you to be a better you. From what, what I've learned is He wants a dead you. Mm-hmm. Like right. like like He doesn't like like we we can't be better. To, for somebody who might misunderstand that, 
What do you mean by he wants a dead you? Yeah, well, the Bible says that we have been crucified with Christ, that we no longer live, but he lives in us. Like, that's, that's what it means. Like, I, I, it's, not about, it's not about me. When you come to know Jesus, you, and, and, it's, and it's not in a way where there's pressure and performance, but it's in a way, for example, like me, his love gripped my heart, and my response was, God, I want to love the way you love. Yeah. That Andy, the one that was struggling in his room. He's dead. He's dead. He no longer lives. I, I don't need a better version of that Andy. Yeah. There <laughs> is no better version of that, that Andy. That, that is the better version of Andy. They're like, <laughs> he, he's dead. You know, it's, I, I've long said this to people in classes that I've taught and in, in our, even in our church. I think I said it this last Sunday even, that one of the reasons that death is so repugnant to God, murder, abortion, yeah. all death is so repugnant to God is because God is so vast. He's so creative. He's so, um, so deep that there is no possible way one race or one person could contain all the uniqueness of who God is. Yeah. So every single person of all the billions of people that have ever existed over the, over history, each person is a unique example mm. a, 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 of, of who God is. Yeah. That there's nobody in the world like me. There's nobody in the world like you. Mm -hmm. There's nobody in the world like you who are listening right now. I can't be you and you can't be me. And, and, And when a life is taken, that unique aspect of God's personhood is snuffed out from Mm -hmm. the world. And so so the only way to fully activate that uniqueness is to integrate yourself into who God is. And everything of our sinful life that is to be crucified, taking off the old man, as the book of Ephesians says, yeah. crucifying ourselves with Christ, as Galatians 2.20 yeah. says, um, is, is to not kill you. It's to kill the sin, the sin. that has perverted God's yeah. image in you. Yeah. And so being crucified with Christ has nothing to do with suicide. Let's yeah. just make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> being crucified with Christ is crucifying the perverted, the sinful, the twisted me that I was, divesting myself of that and and coming to Jesus and letting him take the unique aspect of who God is through who he made me to be. It's it's super interesting because when I got saved, that verse really changed my life when Mm. I saw it this way. I removed, I have been crucified with Christ. And I put anxiety has been crucified mm. with Christ. Yeah. Depression has been crucified with All Christ. All the things that perverted you. All the things that messed me up yeah. were crucified with Christ. And anxiety no longer lives in me. Depression no longer lives in me. But Jesus does. And that's, that's the game changer right there. And I, I'm not going to say that there aren't real issues that people go through. I mean, I feel like I struggled with a, with, with, with a lot of real stuff. I did, and this is not in a, in a foul way, but I was struggling with depression before it was trendy. Like, I did struggle with that. I did try to commit suicide before it was trendy, wow. before it was a thing. But, 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 but the living God encountered me, and it, and it broke. And, 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 and my heart goes out to people who, who struggle with that. But my encouragement would be, hey, don't embrace it. It's not yours. Don't glorify it. It is not your idol. Yeah. There is hope. And when I hear about people committing suicide and stuff like that, I'm like, man, there, there's there's hope. Like 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 he you don't you don't need that pressure. Like he took it away. And it's just about knowing this man Jesus. And the lie, the lie yeah. of the suicidal thoughts, yeah. the lie that there is no hope, there yeah. is no way out. Your life is utterly worthless. Yeah. It is such a huge lie because you got to remember you are in the middle of your story. Yeah. You know, you read a book or you wa- you watch a movie, you cut the thing off halfway through, say, oh, this is this is worthless. It's in the middle of the story. Yeah. Let the story finish. Let your story finish. Yeah. You know, there's an old uh, Irish saying that I heard once that says, in the end, it's going to be all right. 
And if it's not all right right now, then it's not the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the end of your story. And and you, uh, gosh, I, I just I feel like we're we're talking to somebody right now. And obviously people are going to be watching this after the fact. Yeah. But whoever you are, Jesus loves you. There is hope beyond mm-hmm. your circumstance. You are not done with your story yet. As a matter of fact, you've got most of your story to live out. Yeah. And to cut that story off short is going to is going to ruin what the beautiful thing that God is making. Yeah. Don't cut the story off. Live it out. But live it out with the one who loves you, who can save you, heal you, free you, and set you on a path towards the destiny that you were created for. And it doesn't happen outside of Jesus. It doesn't. He he restores and he's real. And I I think what you're saying is really key. It's in due time. We will see him. He will do it. Yeah, and I, I think even with with people maybe who don't know Jesus or are struggling with lies in their mind, I want to say you're not alone. <laughs> I mean, we have Jesus. Yet, I mean, sometimes we struggle. Right. I mean, there's there's moments where I, I'm I just random thoughts come, and I'm like, Am I a good husband? Am I am am, am I doing the right things? And and something that has really helped me is understanding that man, I have Jesus. And the Lord really has spoken to me through the through through the armor of God, putting on the helmet of salvation, wrapping myself in truth, uh, picking up the shield the shield of faith, mm. knowing. And it it also says something like, um, "So that you may be aware of the fiery darts that the enemy throws at you." Like there's these, there's these lies that just come. Yeah. But if we put on the armor of God, if we have faith in Jesus, man, they won't touch us. And I think everybody struggles with that. I mean, we're human. We yeah. we need Jesus. Something that I've that I've, I've I've come to the conclusion, and I've said this: the world says I can do it on my own. And how's that been going for you? <laughs> exactly. Right? We Christians, children of God, say we can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. Yeah. You know it. It makes me kind of laugh. Yeah, we can do. It. I'm a self-made man. Yeah. No. Um. You know. I, I, I'm independent and I, I can I can do it by myself. Yeah, I've found that over the years, the older I get, the less I know, yeah. and the weaker I am. Yeah. And the more I try to keep things in my own hands and hold on tight to them and manipulate the situation for my own gain, it it never works, yeah. and it always makes it worse. Yeah. Maybe you are different. But I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just, it's human tendency to want to just grip and grasp things and make it work and just doesn't. And we weren't made to carry those things. No, we you know, Jesus said, um, come to me, all of you who are weary yeah. and heavy laden. Yeah. You got burdens too big for you yeah. and I will give you rest. And so we weren't made to carry those things. Give them to Jesus. He's got bigger shoulders than we do. Yeah. And it's something I, I strongly believe in is we're no match. We're no match to, to sin. We're no match to the things of this world. We need Jesus. We need him. We need him. We can't we, we can't we can't do anything without him. And that's where that's where my mind has been since the Lord really invited us to just go all in. Like, yeah. hey, we need Jesus every day. Every day. Hey, you know, Andy, I'm going to ask that we, as we close up this time, why don't you pray for the people yeah. who are um, who are listening right now who may be struggling with the very same things, anxiety and depression and worry and suicide yeah. and, and, and trying to carry life yeah. on their own two shoulders and stand on their two feet and scratch themselves with yeah. their own fingernails and I don't yeah. need help from anybody. I want you to just... Pray for them. Yeah. Pray for the, for everybody who's listening right now. Yeah, let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you. God, I thank you because you are so, so real. Father, I thank you for this topic. I thank you for this conversation. Lord, I pray for anyone who's watching, anyone who's listening. God, if they are struggling with depression, anxiety, suicide, pressure, performance, Father. God, I pray that you may 
just touch every heart, God. That you may touch every heart. Father, people who have been longing for love, would you embrace them right now? The way you embraced me, the way you encountered me in my room, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you may be in these moments where maybe lies are just are just coming back and forth, where it feels like there's no hope. It feels like, like, man, we can't do this. Lord, would you just be present? Would you be so present, God? I pray for faith. I pray for faith, Father. I pray for faith. God, I thank you that anxiety has been crucified with Christ. That depression has been crucified with Christ. Suicide has been crucified with Christ. Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for your sacrifice. We just thank you, Jesus, because you live in us. You live in us. God, just in this moment, we just want to repent for thinking that we can do it on our own. God, we repent for doubting. We repent, Father, for just saying, hey, this is about me. No, God, this is about you. Would you align our hearts? Would you align every heart right now to yours? Father, I pray for peace and I pray for joy, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, guys, for joining us today. God bless you. Remember, every Tuesday night, 7 o'clock Pacific time, PWH has a service going on where we worship together and we hear an encouraging, uplifting, challenging word from the word of God. And I want to invite you guys, hey, also share this with your friends. Just forward this to somebody who needs to hear the message that we talked about today. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.